Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host. For this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. We got a good show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. We want to thank everybody for listening to us, no matter how you're listening to us, whether it's you know live as we record this or you're checking us out on our various podcasting outlets, whether that is Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the various places you can listen to us. We definitely thank you for joining us, no matter how you're listening to us. And we got a good show for you tonight. Uh, before, and obviously, you know, the draft was this weekend. The NFL draft was this weekend. I have some thoughts on the whole thing, but we're going to get into everything about it. We're going to look at the Giants picks. We're going to look at the Cowboys picks. We're going to look at some of the more surprising picks that happened across the league. I do have um, some plugs for, you know, we're grateful to Bobby Guarante, president and head of the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, he's got Blackjack Media going on right now. So uh, I definitely want to give a shout-out to some of the great programming that they have on there. So I just want to make you guys aware of the couple shows, the Primetime Rundown, Join Joey Jazz, Tyler Adell, and Nick Partain on our sister website, The Eastern Observer, as they recap the week in sports on the primetime rundown. Friday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the I-95 Sports Network YouTube channel. For more information, log into theeasternobserver.com. That is theeasternobserver.com. And we also want to give a shout-out to Will Cologne, a.k.a. Buffalo Will, and Cousin Vinny. You want to join them every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m., also Eastern Standard, to recap everything and anything to do with the Buffalo Bills and the NFL on Blackjack TV and the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. So big shout-out to those guys. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we got a lot to talk about in terms of the draft. Um, I do have some thoughts uh, about how I viewed the whole presentation of the draft. And I, I kind of want to get into that when uh, Dave and Eric get here because I want their thoughts on it. Uh, I'm going to start off, you know, like I've said before, because we're in this shutdown and everything, we don't really have any sports to talk about. My normal repartee before Dave and Eric come on, would I would talk about something Mets-related. And we really haven't had too much Mets-related stuff, even though I am hoping at some point we will talk about the possibility of, of, of Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez um, leading a group of people to buy the ownership of the Mets fr uh, from the Wilpons. Hopefully we'll get into that. But right now, Dave Hastings is about to join us. And we'll give him a second to come on. Dave, are you there? I'm here, Mike. How are we doing? All right. How are you? Um, yeah, you know, the sun's shining for the first time in what feels like forever. So uh, I'm going to take it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the draft here. And obviously, we'll get into, you know, how the Giants did, Jets did, different things like that with Eric when he comes here. I do want to start off with you about the Cowboys draft, because I know the last couple weeks 
you had been very high on a certain Alabama safety who's, and again, I kind of, you know, I didn't know too much about the prospects entering this year's draft. So my first exposure was a lot of the highlight packages I saw around the actual draft starting on Thursday. But Xavier McKinney, I believe, was the safety you had wanted. It gets to the Cowboys at pick 17. And the Cowboys draft the wide receiver, C.J. Lamb. And I wanted your thoughts on that because, I, you know, you were pretty high on the idea of them going defense the whole draft, which I, you know, I definitely got you on that one. I kind of like this move for them, though, but I want your thoughts on it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, couldn't, I couldn't even be mad about it. C.D. Lamb is C.D., by the way, C-E-E-D-E-E. Oh, what did I say? What did I say? CJ. Oh, I'm sorry. His actual name is Sedarian. You know, he's a cowboy yeah, yeah, yeah. now. He's a cowboy now, so we've got to know these things. But anyway. Yes, that is very true. Um, I mean, they, there wasn't a single person out there, literally, I don't think at all, that didn't have him as a top 10 player. Mm-hmm. And he fell all the way to seven or 17. Yes. And it was just one of those things where Dallas took talent over need. Um, I think they feel comfortable with Woods and, you know, ha-ha Clinton Dix for this year. And, you know, there's still some free agents out there that I think that they'd be okay, you know, trying to bring in perhaps. But honestly, I loved it. I, I, I thought that pick was the right pick to make considering he, him being still on the board. And when it's all said and done, they really don't have a, a, any wide receivers that you truly would trust uh, once you get after Gallup and Cooper. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's only one football to go around, but I could definitely see uh, Dallas, you know, having the potential to, you know, if that offensive line can protect and stay healthy, you know, they'll have the potential to really score some points because they'll have, now have three really, really good wide receivers running around. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why I like this move, because, you know, you and me, we've been Cowboy fans for a long time. I think what – what I've noticed of the Cowboys receiving core the last few years is, you know, they'll always have that good number one. They'll have, have a couple of really good slot receiver type guys like Cole Beasley or the Randall Cobb, guys like that. They may or may not have a couple running backs who can catch passes out of the wide receiver. But the second wide receiver spot has been shaky. You know, I think Terrence Williams filled it for a little while. Probably a couple other guys. I'm forgetting about Miles Austin. But whenever the inevitable injury hits – to me, they never really have the depth in terms of the big play wide receivers. They always kind of put their eggs in the one basket. And then when, say, Des Bryant or Amari Cooper or someone like that winds up going down, now you're putting guys out of position. You're moving guys up the depth chart who really are not comfortable in those positions and can't excel in those positions. And I really like the idea, from everything I've heard about this guy, this guy's got big impact player written all over him. And I like the idea of bringing this guy in as a number three. So if something does happen to Gallup or Cooper, the idea of moving him up the board doesn't seem as out of place as it may be with some of the other guys. I mean, I won't argue with you, but you're really kind of downplaying the year that um, 
Cooper had, or not Cooper, that Gallup had. I mean, he had almost a Oh, I like Gallup. That's not a knock on Gallup. I'm just saying, he had around 1,100 yards and six touchdowns as a number two. Oh, no, 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 no. He had some drops. That was his big knock. No, no, no. I'm confident. I want to apologize if I didn't phrase that correctly. I'm confident in Gallup if he's got to move up to a number one position. I'm not confident in what they had behind him. I like the idea of, you know, Gallup and Cooper are your – solid number one and number two right now but i like the idea of say cooper goes down gallup can slide into number one now we got a guy who can slide into number two and you don't feel like he's just a slot wide receiver miscast trying to be something more than he really is yeah no and he played uh i heard it today he played something like 70 percent of his snaps in college on the outside and only 30 in the slot so you're really giving yourself the opportunity to really alternate between Cooper and him and the slot. Gallup's yeah. a true outside wide receiver. He's not a he's not really a slot guy in my opinion. He's more mm-hmm. of a deep, that true you know outside wide out. But yeah, no, I, I really like the move. I think that it was the right pick to make. And you know, the one thing that you keep hearing uh, say to uh, came out today was uh, Will McClay, who's like the director of Cowboys personnel and scouting department said that McCarthy told him uh, one thing, you know, it's it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Johnny's and Joe's. And, you know, basically was saying, like, if we can't fit them into our scheme, then there's something wrong with our scheme. So you take the best player available and not just based off of your need. Yeah. That's really – you can tell. You look at Dallas's draft, that's really how they drafted. And, you know, I was a big fan of it, and they still fill positions of need. Um, you know, I would have liked to see him maybe get a linebacker uh, just to kind of add some depth to that position. But they got mm-hmm. some guys that they like. So, I mean, yeah, no, I was a big fan of the draft. I'm a big fan. You know, I'm already kind of more excited than I probably should be about the McCarthy error, considering all that's happened is free agency in the draft. And, mm-hmm. hell, we don't even know if we're going to have a season this year. Mm-hmm. But I like it. And, you know, uh, but, yeah, the CD Lamp pick, I think it was a great move. And, you know, definitely – definitely think that was uh, the right way to go yep no I agree with you on that even though I'm not gonna lie if I had one knock on the Cowboys draft and this isn't really a knock so Xavier McKinney fell to the second round he fell to the Giants with the, with the fourth pick in the second round good good on them getting him and everything the one knock I have on the Cowboys is you don't really see them make a big splash or something unexpected you know the idea of them trading up you know, which would totally surprise everybody. You don't really see them do that that often. And again, it's not really a knock because I do like the guys that they wound up getting uh, with the picks that they had. You know, we'll talk about them in a couple seconds here. I would have liked to see them try to take a chance and try to make a move up to get Xavier McKinney. That's the only thing. I see. No, I see what you're saying. Try to get, you know, to the back end of the first round or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But I think, you know, one of the main – and I, I agree. They they really are not a team known for making splashes. Yeah. But I think the one thing, you know, you can say is that their board started to really kind of go in their favor this year. True. And they kind of rode that wave. But – and then, you know, we obviously know about the Garrett error. So, you know, you can't – you know, that is what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, I think you're going to see some different things coming from uh, coming from Dallas in the, you know, the years to come with McCarthy. And, you know, hopefully it's something that 
like me and you pray for leads to a Lombardi. Yeah, no, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. And I know Cousin David. Shout out to Cousin David, by the way. I do want to say uh, congratulations to him. He's going to be an uncle uh, for the first time. His brother, Matt, his wife is pregnant with their firstborn. So I wanted to give a shout out. I forgot to mention that last week. But yeah, uh, oh, David, cheers, yeah David. David's going to be an uncle. Yes, yes. So I wanted to throw that in there. Um, uh, but he had mentioned that they did this to satisfy Dak. I, I don't look at that as a bad thing at all. I like the fact that they went a little overloaded on wide receiver. I like that right now for the reasons that we already talked about. So if they did this to satisfy Dak, good job. Good job. I'm okay with that. Well, yeah, now pay the damn man and let's get this the hell over with. I agree. I totally agree. But looking at the rest of their draft, they ja- drafted the two cornerbacks. They got Stephen Diggs' brother, Trayvon, out of Alabama. I'm sure David, uh, Eric's got a lot of thoughts on him. He could enlighten us a little bit with that. In the second round, uh, they took Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa with their fourth-round pick. Neville Gallimore, uh, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma with the third-round pick. And then the pick that, I'm not going to lie, I was excited by this pick. I I told you last week I would have liked to have seen them uh, do something to try to fill the hole at center that was left by Travis Fredericks. And not only did they get the center in the fourth round, and I'm probably butchering his name, Tyler Bladaz, he's out of Wisconsin. And I really hope lightning strikes twice, and that means we got another franchise center here. What do you think? I mean, honestly, I think, you know, the, the shocking part to me about the whole thing was that it was the Eagles they traded with. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, time like I'm a fan of the move like you get that center and add some more depth into the interior part of your offensive line um and honestly it's one of those things that I think it was another um, also a move that they knew there were teams that were going to come up after the Eagles that probably were going to make a run after him and they didn't want to lose potentially lose him to one of those teams yeah no, and I, I like the fact that they took him when they did, and because you have guys that you, you're already somewhat confident in, they could start, you kind of ease him into the role rather than just thrusting him in. But we can talk a little more about that later. Right now, Eric Tressler is here tonight. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Good. I definitely don't want to talk fourth-round center, but I'm, I'm doing all right. No, I'm no. Just just, I'm just <laughs> – I'm just – I'm just busting your job. I know. I, know. You, you had to, I was just wrapping things up. I wanted to bring him up because I just like. No, 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 no. I was, I was completely joking. We could totally yeah, talk No, trap. no, no. I get you. I get you. We're good. Like, good, good, good for the Cowboys. Listen, the Cowboys had an okay draft. I don't agree with. I'll be honest. I'm gonna look at it from as maybe a Giants fan perspective on the thing, but. I don't love CeeDee Lamb as the pick there for the Cowboys. I mean, Dave, we were talking the end of last week. You kind of asked me at the end of the show, who are they going to go with? You didn't think they were going to go offense. You thought they were going to go with either one of the safeties in the corner. You thought something else was going to happen. CeeDee Lamb, yes, he's a talent, but you only got one ball to spread around, and you got Zeke, and you got Amari, and now you got him, and you got – it's great to have weapons, but there's still only one football – and I don't know. Did, do you guys think you did enough for the rest of the draft to sure up that defense? Well, I feel like you're talking about the fact that they passed on Xavier McKinney, which I, which was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because you guys wound it up on with. I think we both would have liked him. And, Dave, I'm, I'm obviously going to let you talk too, but I just want to reiterate what I said earlier. I like the move because I feel like the Cowboys always wind up getting stuck 
not having enough top-tier wide receiving depth. And, you know, we got Cooper, we got Gallup. Those are a good number one and two to have. But in past years, we've seen something happens to your one and two, and you're putting guys who aren't suited for the big-time roles like a Cole Beasley or a Randall Cobb. You're moving them up to the depth chart where maybe they should just stay in a slot role with a guy like C.D. Lamb who apparently has the explosiveness to burgeon into a one or two type wide receiver. I like the idea that you can move him in there and it's, you have the depth. It's not going to be as stark a transition as it would be otherwise. Dave, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I obviously I did want them to go defense, but when, you know, it's really all said and done. I'm not going to be upset that at pick 17, Dallas got a player that basically everybody had projected in the top seven. So, I mean, all things considered, do I think they could have gone a different position? Yes. But after I looked at the rest of the draft and, you know, the ability that they were get, able to get the corner in the second, a D tackle in the third, uh, a pass rusher in the fifth, uh, especially and the guy they got in the fifth round is a guy that a lot of teams had projected higher, and he just fell in Dallas was able to get him. So yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like they, they got were, a steal on that one. They were, they were. Well, I mean, it's all everything's a question mark, but sure, you know sure, the sure. way people look at it right now, yeah. But I just think that when I look at you know the decisions that they made, I, I think they drafted more based off of the talent available than specifically worrying about need and. Eric, we're, I mean, I said it to Mike before. The one thing that they taught that I saw come out today was Mil, Will McClay, the director of Dallas's uh, scouting and personnel, uh, was told by McCarthy, "It's about the X's. It's about the. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Johnnies and Joes. Draft the best players available, and if we can't fit them into our scheme, then there's something wrong with our scheme." So I, I was kind of a big fan of that because Dallas, the last several years, have drafted more based off of need and you know filling a uh, trying to fill a hole instead of trying to draft you know perhaps the the top you know player on the board instead go ahead eric no i'm, I'm fine with your guys answers i mean again I, I can't hate on the pick because i do think he's talented i do think that dallas got a good player so i don't hate on it i just don't know if it's it's the move that I didn't know if it was a move you guys were, were endorsing or not. So I, I was, uh, you know, okay with your answer. Yeah, I, I was with Go ahead. McKinney too. And when they were, when I was sitting there and I'm like, wow, McKinney's there, but so CD Lamb. I, Eric, I actually texted Joey and I was like, honestly, if they go CD Lamb, then, you know, I'd like to see him maybe pick up another safety or corner in free agency. And if they go with McKinney, then I'd like to see them, you know, try to maybe re-sign Dez or one of the free agent wide receivers that are still out there. So, like, I kind of, that's kind of how I was looking at it, you know, with that kind of perception. And then the draft still unfolded out pretty well. So, yeah, I was kind of happy with it. I really – and, you know, if we can want to keep talking Cowboys, we can, but – I really like the Giants first two picks, especially uh, getting McKinney in the second and that tackle looks like a monster. Well, actually I, I did want to go to the Giants now that uh, Eric is here. I want to, I want to ask one question first, and this is kind of like a broader question about the draft itself. Eric, I know the last few weeks 
you had been you sounded like you were very excited for the prospect of the way the NFL was doing the draft this year with um you know everything being done in conference rooms and you were excited to see where it would go in the future um I get the idea that you don't necessarily need you know stadiums full of people to do a draft I get that one but I really hope we never have to do this again the way it was this weekend because, like, I thought they handled it well, and obviously it got all the ratings for this weekend, all three days, if I'm not mistaken. So they did what they had to do. I really hope this is just a temporary fix and not a permanent solution. That's my own personal opinion on that. What do you say? Eric? Oh, you're asking me. I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were talking to me or Dave. Um, I, 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 I was okay with it. Like I said, you're going to get all the ratings this weekend because everybody's home. Everybody's yeah, still yeah, yeah. quarantining and whatever. It was going to be a ratings hit no matter what, but I just think it could be the way future drafts are done. Why spend the money to rent out buildings and arenas and have fans and everything else, and you get, then you got to have security and you have – overhead and insurance and this and that everybody just drafts from wherever whatever war room you want to draft from will video live and nobody has said the nfl doesn't have to spend that money they're still going to rake in everything in endorsements and, and commercials it, it just makes all the sense in the world financially to eventually go this route it doesn't make sense especially in the near future to jam a whole bunch of people even a year from now into a building just to watch a bunch of picks. It doesn't make a ton of sense. You can do this stuff literally remotely. It, it doesn't need to be done. So I, I don't think it would take anything away from me. I've never been to a draft. I've never found excitement in going to a draft. I've always been a watcher on TV guy, so I think it would be that it would continue that way for me. Yeah, I mean, I've never been to a draft either myself. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I honestly, there were some things I liked about the way they did it, like Goodell um, having the 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 uh, the big screen TV behind him with all the fans booing him at the beginning of the draft and inviting it. I thought that was kind of funny. But other than that, and Belichick's dog sitting in his chair, I, I, I don't know. The whole thing just kind of rung a little hollow for me. And I got to be honest, I don't really give a damn about these coaches and their GMs. I, I don't care about the setups. Everybody was commenting on the setup they have. How much variety can you do with a laptop, a cell phone, and a big screen TV? And I got to hear a comment on everybody's freaking draft setup. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's fine. Dave, what, what do you think, though? I mean, honestly, I think it makes more sense to do it this way. It just increases <laughs> the profit that they make. Um, I really could have kind of went one way or the other. I honestly only watched the first 17 picks, and I just stopped watching. I didn't watch the I, You know, I, I actually did the but, same thing you did, Dave. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I really could kind of go either. Like, I mean, I'm the same as both of you. I wouldn't go to a draft. I have no interest in going to a draft, like, whatever. Um, but, you know, when I really – You know the best way to watch the draft? You know the best way to watch the draft? I DVR'd it. I watched up until the Giants pick, and I didn't care anymore. I let the rest DVR. And then later on, I watched it all in about a half hour on, like, a three-speed on the on the DVR. That's fast-forward nice. action. That's and then nice. just enough go. so you would see their names, you know who was picked, what team picked them, and it moved on. And then it just filtered through. I saw the picks. I was done. 
I, it, it's I, the I like best that, way Eric. to watch it. Technology, baby. Technology. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Dude, yeah, I mean, it, honestly, I, I think um, the one thing that there was anything that came out of the coverage that I think shined a negative on it was how literally every player that got drafted ESPN went out some person that died in their life. And, like, yeah. that was just, like, a major focal point. That seemed a little unnecessary, but – um, yeah, like they can keep it as is. Some of the pictures with the kids, and like when Green Bay took, I think, uh, the quarterback in the second or third round, they have a picture of one of his kids, uh, uh, Matt LaFleur's kid, just making a completely and utterly disgusted face. Um, so yeah, like I, I mean, there's some positives to it, but all things considered, I'm never gonna watch the entire draft. I'm gonna watch the first pick by Dallas, and I'm not gonna care anymore. I'm just really not. Like, I'll find out on. on social media who got picked and when they got picked and the rankings for best draft and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, like that's kind of how I feel about it. Once I get past the Cowboys first round pick. Mm. I don't know. I, I still stand by what I said, but I, I definitely get what you guys are saying. I guess, I guess to each zone on that one, I will say one thing. I want to point out some hypocrisy here and then we're going to move to the giants. I want to talk about some blatant hypocrisy here. So there was all this outrage a couple weeks ago because Dak Prescott may or may not have had 30 people over his house breaking the quarantine rules. I swear to God, how many freaking draft picks had more than 10 people at their house doing the same thing and nobody says goddamn thing? I know I am being a bitter Cowboy fan here. They're not quarterbacking the Cowboys. I don't care. Be consistent. Be consistent is all I'm saying. If you're going to come down on Prescott, you come down on these people. They're having all these people over their house. They're doing the same damn thing. And we got them on camera. That's all I'm saying. Jack, Dak, you can't prove it. This is on camera. National audience. Had to say. Had to say. All right. So we'll talk about the Giants. Hold on. Wait, whoa, whoa. Oh. But will we agree that there's a difference between getting drafted by the NFL and throwing a party at your house? Safety, safety is safety. I'm sorry, safety is safety. No, no, no. Can you understand that the moment might be a little different and that it might be, even though there might be 10 people there, maybe they're being socially distant. They weren't. They weren't being socially distant. They were standing right next to each other. Party at his house. It's a little different. I'm sorry. It's apples to oranges, not apples to apples here. Well, I mean, uh, the big thing for me is the Dak one, nobody can prove. This one, we have videotaped evidence, and there was no social distancing going on. They're standing right next to each other. I want you to go back and watch the tape. I want you to point out what draft picks had more than 10 people at their I house. will tell you right I'll now. I, you, I, no, I, got one, I got one. Videos, I got one right off many. the top. I got one right off the top That's of my head. That's one. That's one. I didn't count That's every one, one of them, but the San Francisco draft pick definitely had more than 10 people at his house. And the dad was standing there mugging for the camera. Did you pause it and count? Huh? Well, there was eight people on screen. You know someone's holding the damn video camera, and you notice at least three you people don't know running that. around. Maybe he's got yes, a tripod. Yes, Eight's not don't. ten. Eight's not ten. For the record, I'm half joking here. I just, I just had to point this one out because it was just funny to me. It was funny to me. All right, let's talk about the Giants draft right now. So you guys get Anthony Thomas with the fourth round draft pick. It sounds like you guys are very high on this guy. 
But I, I want to. Oh, we are. Oh, oh, please. Oh, we are. Oh, please. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, if we I'm are. Wrong, if we're, I'm wrong, we're if high I'm, on getting the third best offensive lineman with the fourth pick overall. That's where we're, I was we're, going. We're, we're that's high on I'm, that. We're high on David Gettleman <laughs> trying to go protect ahead, go ahead, go ahead, last go ahead. year's shitty sixth round pick with this year's shitty fourth round, fourth overall pick. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I, I just. He had to cover his own ass to make sure that it, that Daniel Jones's ass is covered because it's all relying on that and Daniel Jones' success this season for David Gettleman. He has literally told you that with that first-round draft pick. That mm. is what it was about. Yeah. Protect Daniel Jones because if he's not protected, I am fired. Like, that is – it's that simple. And that's the way he thought about it. Rather than trying to get the team better, he's worried about saving his own ass and trying to be right about Daniel Jones, I I just I am over Gettleman. I I he's got to go, and then hopefully Joe Judge goes with him, and we can just start somewhere fresh. Because I'm not a fan of Joe Judge in the way he started off here either. So I'm um, I'm kind of out on on both of them. I am um the rest of the draft was okay. I'm not hating it. Uh, Xavier McKinney, I think in the second round was a good pick. I I I, I like that pick, but again, I'm an he, Alabama he, fan, he, so he fell in the I couldn't in that pick. He was a, he had a first round grade on a lot on almost everybody's board, so I, I I to get him in the second round, I like that. I'm okay with that. The rest of the picks, I'm okay with. I don't think they had a terrible draft, but as far as that first pick, that first pick was all about David Gettleman. I agree with you. I agree with you. I. I went by it by your initial remark. I'm kind of glad to hear you say that truthfully because I really didn't know how you were going to go with that. Because, again, I'm not going to pretend that I knew a lot about these guys before the Giants made the pick. Cousin David had texted me saying he wanted Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker. That's who, who everybody, everybody I talked to wanted Isaiah Simmons. Okay. All right. Now, he was the pick. He He should have been the pick. It's been a long time since the Giants have had a really good linebacker and somebody to lead that defense. It's about time we got someone. um, I know we drafted a couple later, but none with the ceiling. Yeah, but none with the ceiling of of Simmons. So, I don't know. (sighs) Uh, Well, here's the thing. Like, beyond that, too, like you said, he was the third-rated – uh, offensive tackle on the board. Some places had him fourth. Um, from everything I heard on draft day, it sounded like they liked the pick, but they felt like there were better players available at that position. And then you see the guy the Jets got, the guy uh, Barton, I believe was his last name. And you hear he's crazy athletic. And you see a uh, video of him playing basketball. He's a high school center. And then you see video of him pushing a freaking truck uphill or whatever. And let me ask you, who do you think got the better offensive tackle, the Giants or the Jets? Uh, I'm going to be totally biased here and hope it's the Giants. I'm, okay. You know, everything I hear about Thomas is he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's, you know, a, a, a big, you know, hog molly is, or whatever the hell Gettleman likes to call him. And, uh, you know, I just—I I don't know. Um, I, I think I got to think that the Giants got the better, the better end, hopefully in the end. But again, he is a little stiffer. He does have long arms. He does have a big frame. 
think he's six seven, Thomas. So I mean, he's a big guy. He, he's going to be able to move some bodies. So I'm going to hope that the Giants get the better end of the deal. But honestly, I can't predict it right now. Who knows? I mean, we'll we'll be able to tell. And who has the better season, probably in Daniel Jones or, or uh, Sam Darnold? Yeah, and the guy's name is Mackay Becton out of Louisville, I believe. I, I don't know. I was impressed by seeing the video of him pushing the truck uphill. You didn't see anybody else do that. Maybe I'm easily amused. I don't know. <laughs> Dave, I'm going to get you into this, but uh, Eric, I, I got to say this just because Cousin, Cousin David put this in the chat room. Don't get mad at me. This ain't coming from me. This is Cousin David. Don't shoot the messenger. He wanted me to ask you, has David Gettleman made the Giants a dumpster fire? Has David Gettleman made the Giants a dumpster fire? Yes. No. Uh, I. You, you're again, going. They're, you're they're, going back on a little bit from earlier, uh, in the uh, off season. No, listen. Do I think Gettleman should be fired? Yeah, but do I think that the team's in disarray and whatever else? Do I think it's where it was when Beckham was here and whatever? No, I don't. I think we're in a better situation and a better place now than and we were the circus we were when McAdoo and stuff was here, but I still don't think we're where we want to be to be a winning football club again. So that's why I just think that Gettleman's not the decision maker that we should be having around here. I, that, that's really what it comes down to is I, I don't think we're a dumpster fire, but I don't think our team's going in the right direction either. Mm. All right, fair enough. I mean, at the very least, I didn't think you guys had a bad draft. I thought you guys came out of it pretty decent. Uh, Dave, what do you think, though? Well, yeah, I mean, look, when it comes <laughs> down to it, I mean, first and foremost with the tackles, like, you really won't know until they start playing. Um, you know, and that's really, you know, like Eric said, I think it, it's you can really kind of make it easy to figure out if you just allow yourself to see what kind of statistics you see Darnold and Jones have. But uh, I think, um, you know, I, I like their two, first two picks. I'm a big I, – I think getting McKinney in that set, early second round is, you know, one of, the, one of maybe one of the best value in the entire draft. Um, oh, yeah. And that, you know, that that's good. Like, that's what you're aiming for the most for where you're from possibles. Um, and they really, you know, have had a – you know, ever since they tr uh, got rid of uh, – Landon Collins, it's not like Jabril Peppers stepped in and, you know, changed the world at safety position for the Giants. So they do need a playmaker. Um, and, I, you know, I think he could be a guy that can do that for him. And one of the other good things with McKinney is he's no, he was known to occasionally play the slot, you know, the slot corner position in Alabama. So that tells you that he could, you know, do a little bit more than just be a safety. So that's the more of a diversity and, you know, range you got the better off you are so i like the giants draft all things considered i mean the tackle you need to pan out to have it be a good draft but from what it looks like on paper i think the giants had a pretty good draft mm. now, talking about playmakers though i gotta ask you guys about two things about this draft not giants or dallas or jet related gotta ask you what you guys think of the packers in the first round drafting jordan love who seems like the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers now, and how soon do we think Aaron Rodgers is out the door in Green Bay? Dave, I'll let you start on that one. Yeah, so I honestly – I read something today that said one of the reasons that um, the Packers made that pick is LaFleur is already tired of Aaron Rodgers' shit. 
And if that's the case, like to me, that just kind of gives you an idea of the type of diva Aaron Rodgers really might be when, you know, we all kind of always questioned if it was him or McCarthy. Um, so I think that kind of makes things even more interesting, but yeah, I, them making that pick. And I would say if, if it, what I read was true, follow, you know, that, and that's following up them making that pick. I really think you are talking about, you know, maybe Rogers only having a year or two left of, uh, Green Bay and being out the door after that, uh, even if he does feel like he can still play and uh, he's just not playing in the Packer uniform. Um, I mean, we saw what they did to the farm, so we know nobody's untouchable in Green in Green Bay, no matter how great you are. So, yeah, I think that uh, that was an interesting pick. And then they take a running back with their second-round pick after Jones had an unbelievable season last year. Like, I have no idea what Green Bay was doing if you really consider the fact that their biggest issue in the NFC Championship game was they couldn't stop the run. So how are you not taking defensive players or, you know, I don't know. That that one kind of blew my mind. Well, there's a stat that actually blew my mind that I don't know if you guys have seen. Do you know Aaron Rodgers has only thrown one career touchdown pass? One in his entire career to a first-round draft pick that actually makes sense it's it's shocking but if you look at the who green bay has had in terms of wide receiver i think you know who he threw it to uh i don't off top my head now mercedes lewis oh wow that's not even a good first round pick yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah well said um, and then the I'm, other question I got for you guys well, is, I know I, we're, we're wrapping up soon. No, 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 no. I just don't worry about time tonight. Let me, um, let me just uh, answer that question first. Um, I think it depends on what Favre is able to do this year. I'll tell you this. I didn't necessarily have a, have a problem with them taking love in the first round. If you think you got to take him there and he's your heir apparent, all right, fine. You should have given uh, Rodgers another wide receiver, though, at some point in the draft. I think 38 wide receivers got taken in this draft, and the Packers don't take one of them to try to give Rodgers another weapon. That really kind of raised an eyebrow with me. That was my only thing there. So go ahead, Eric. Eric? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw the text come in, so I got distracted for a second. Uh, The other question I had for you guys, though, was which uh, which was more surprising, the Packers taking Jordan Love or the fact that the Patriots didn't take a quarterback at all in the entire draft? I, I, I'll jump in first on that. I'm going to say the Packers taking Love, uh, and I say that because I think the Patriots are going to end up going after Cam. And I think that's something they already may be in talks about and they're not worried about it. Um, so that, that, that's the only reason why I'm going to say uh, I'm more shocked about the Packers than I would be the Patriots. Yeah, I kind of lean a little bit. Are you bit. breaking news here? Or is there, did you hear something that we didn't hear? No, I, that, it's just a gut feeling. That's all. 
And I kind of lean towards Dave on that one, too. If you look at the Packers' history, like you said, they don't really draft wide receivers in the first round, but they at the very least take a late-round flyer on a guy here and there. I think Jordy Nelson was a third-round pick. I want to say Cobb was a second-round pick, but I could be wrong about that. So the idea that you don't take at least one wide receiver, if you don't want to take them early, you at least take one in the sixth or seventh round, the idea that you don't do that – I mean, Belichick likes to fancy himself the evil genius anyway, so I get why he didn't. I mean, they're both surprising, but I, I get why he didn't do it. Packers, I think, I think needed it a little more. So I'll go, I'll go with Dave on that one too. So, and then, okay, then I'm going to piggyback again. What's more likely then, the Patriots sign Cam Newton or they roll with this season with what they have and maybe try to take a run to Trevor Lawrence and that first overall pick next year. Ooh. I can't see Belichick tanking the season. I can't see that. But again, what if he's not tanking? He's just not loading his roster with tons of talent. So he's yeah, loading it Belichick, with young talent. For Belichick, yeah, but he's that's loading tanking, it with though. young talent. He can coach up, but coach up in a way that maybe he doesn't win quite as many games. Somebody else wins the NFC East. And he's able to get a top pick in next year's draft. I don't think it's that far-fetched. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I don't think it's far-fetched. But for Belichick, though, that is tanking. And I just find it hard to believe he would do that. Now, if I'm going to be honest here... I, for the same reasons that we talked about a few weeks ago, I still don't think they signed Cam Newton. If anything, I could see them making a play for Andy Dalton before they go after Cam Newton. Like, we know Newton's a better quarterback, but I think in terms of fit and someone who's moldable, Dalton seems more like that anyway. Do you think that Belichick signing Cam or Dalton, that he's really thinking that they're a Super Bowl contender in the way that his teams have been in the past with Tom Brady? I don't think he is. I think Belichick thinks you give me someone who can just perform admirably and I'll do the rest. Dave, what do you think, though? I mean, look, I think Belichick's going to do whatever he can to win and whatever puts him him and his team in the best position to win. And if he thinks that could be Cam Newton or if he thinks that could be Andy Dalton, then he's going to be – what's it called? And then he's going to do what he he thinks is going to give him the best shot to win. So, I mean, there's really uh, no other way to put it, to be honest. Yeah, but what if his best shot to win is to get Trevor Lawrence? What if his best chance to win is to get the next superstar? You have to do something. You've now lost Brady. You don't have Gronk. You don't have an identity with that team anymore. You need one. Belichick can only rally the troops for so long. Brady was that mainstay through it all. I don't know. I think that Belichick may be playing the long game here. Maybe thinking, listen. I keep telling everybody how high I am on, on Hoyer and Stidham. I keep telling everybody how, how much they, you know, they, they fit with this team. Maybe I roll with them. You know, I try to do everything I can to win, but I'm not on the field playing myself. And, hey, next year, if the best player in the draft falls to us, oh, hey, lucky me. Listen, I don't think I, I don't I, think it's that far fetched. He's a smart no. guy, and if he wants to coach another ten years, he's going to need a quarterback that'll get him there. And I don't think that's Cam or Dalton. 
I honestly think that Bill Belichick isn't ready to be mediocre, and that's what he's going to be with Cam and Dalton. I don't think that that gets him over the hump. I don't even think that gets him in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't think it's far-fetched. I just – I I don't know. Crazier things that have happened. That's all I'll say to it. Dave? Yeah, I mean, look, Bel- if there's anybody that knows how to play the system and, you know, make the system work in his favor, it's Belichick. So, I, I have no no doubt in my mind that that is very plausible that he would do something like that. Hmm. Eric, let me ask you a question now. I want to I want to just ask one last thing about the Giants, and then we can cover anything else from the draft you guys want to do. Maybe a couple other things after that. I I want to ask you something because you brought up the Isaiah Simmons thing with that first overall pick, and again, we all kind of agreed Giants had a decent draft, all things considered, but. They haven't taken a pass rusher, a linebacker, the defensive end type, since Jason Pierre-Paul in 2010. So this ain't just Gettleman who doesn't want to do the pass rusher thing in the first round. This is an organizational decision by the Giants, right or wrong here. What do you think stops them from doing it? Because last year they had Josh Allen right there for the take, and they didn't take him. They took Daniel Jones. This year, they took the tackle over Isaiah Simmons. There have been other years where they could have gotten the pass rusher. What do you think leads them to always go against taking the pass rusher in the first round? I just think it's whoever's calling the shots. I, I don't have an answer for you. I don't think it's coming from ownership. I, they've had, you know, arguably one of the greatest football players in all time be a linebacker for them in, in Lawrence Taylor, so they know the value that the position can bring. Uh I don't see any reason other than that, other than it just being a management coach's decision. Uh, Last year, the Giants were looking to change directions. They went way too early on Daniel Jones, and now Gettleman has to back that up. So he's got to get Jones the protection that the Giants sorely lack. So he drafts a tackle this year. It just hasn't been the right people making the right decisions to get everything going the way it should. I, I don't know a better way to describe it than that. It's just, it, it, it's, it's who they put in charge. I, I don't think it's coming from ownership. All right. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far either. So I agree with you there, but I, I don't know. I, the only reason I asked the question, because, you know, nine years since you take a pass rusher, I, I mean, this is probably far fetched and I'll freely admit it, but you don't think it's something like where they make a concerted effort because they think, oh, we could just get that. We could just plug and play and go ahead. You don't think it's something like that? They haven't been able to plug and play with anybody in the last 10 years at linebacker. Okay. We haven't had a good linebacker since, what, uh, I, I, Antonio, Antonio Pierce. That's a, yeah, that's the last one. And before him, you had, what, Jesse Armstead? Like, well, I would throw Kiwanuka's name in that, too. Kiwanuka was pretty good. Yeah, but he started as a DN, and then he went to linebacker. He, he you know, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I, just, Did- I didn't love the pick. This year it should have been Simmons, but this is a year where, where, where Dave made the analogy before that you draft the best available. You, you, you draft the best player on the board, and you make him fit your system. Isaiah Simmons was a higher player on every single draft board than the Giants. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. He was, a, he was ahead of Thomas on everybody's draft board. I don't think yep. there was a draft board across the league that had Thomas 
rated higher than Simmons. That's where the pick doesn't make sense to me. It's the same thing last year with Daniel Jones. Not one team in the league valued him at that high. For the Giants to get him at with that pick was awful. We could have got him with that our second first-round pick and got Josh Allen with the first and started fixing those defensive problems. They, they're just not making the right decisions. This is why I disapprove of Gettleman. This is why he's got to go. They need to find somebody on to the next one until we find them. Yeah. Dave, you want to chime in? No, I, I honestly think Eric's point is uh, kind of driven home at this point. So uh, we could definitely uh, keep it moving because I did not a lot. Yeah. No, let's keep it moving. Okay. Well, one thing I want to – just going back to the Cowboys, and then I want your thoughts on one last thing from the draft. Ch- tell me about Trayvon Diggs a little bit because he's an Alabama guy. You're an Alabama guy. What, what, what were your thoughts on uh, Trayvon Diggs going to the Cowboys? I think he's a good good pick for you guys. You needed the help there, and, you know, he plays for one of the best teams in the country against some of the best talent in the country. So I think it's it's a good pickup for you guys and somebody that will – Probably be ready to play sooner rather than later. So, I don't know. Good move. Two speculation questions here. One of them, Eric, this is for you. A lot of Alabama guys went in this draft. Who do you think winds up having the most immediate impact next year? Oh, by the way, LSU, I believe. Yeah, they had the most. They had the most. The record. Well, no, but they tied the record for the first, through the first three rounds. With Ohio State, I think they each had – well, Ohio State a few years ago had 10, and this year LSU through the first three rounds had 10. Alabama ended with nine through the first three, but still a lot of picks for both schools and the SEC just in general. Yeah. Um, but what, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Who, which Alabama guy winds up having the most immediate impact next season? Um – All right, I tell you either what, you, Judy or Rugs, either Judy or Rugs, one of the two. Okay, fair enough. Yes, I hit the wrong button. I'm sorry, Eric. Um, I, but I tell you what, last thing on the draft, biggest shocker of the night, or I guess of the whole draft. And Dave, I'll start with you on this one. What was the biggest shocker to you? Uh, I mean, I can't speak on the whole draft because, like I said, I didn't watch it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you but, know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I would probably say the biggest shock of the draft for me was probably the way just the Packers in general. Like, whether you want to say the first-round pick, their draft as a whole, they didn't take a single defensive player. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. yeah. So, I would say the Packers as a whole would probably be my biggest surprise. Okay. Eric, do you want to talk about your boy Jalen Hurts, or you got a bigger surprise? No, I mean you can talk about Jalen Hurts if you want. No, well, I wanted you to. I, I wanted you. To, I wanted you to answer the question, but I was just throwing that out there because I know that was another one of the surprises to a lot of people that he went to the Eagles. Listen, they need somebody. Wentz goes down every year. No, I thought I thought it was a decent. The logic was there; it made sense to me. So what did you think was the biggest surprise of the night? I mean, uh, I think Jordan Love to me was the biggest surprise of the, of the night and of the draft. I just don't understand what LaFleur is doing and why Green Bay management side with LaFleur over Rodgers. But, again, maybe Dave's right and 
Rodgers is becoming too much of a diva, and he's run his course there with Green Bay. So I don't know. Um, that that to me was the most surprising because I, I still just don't get their draft. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, I'm gonna leave it to you guys. You guys have anything else you want to talk about the draft? Do you want to move on, Dave? I'm good. Okay, Eric. I'm good to move. Okay. Does anybody have any other? stories from this week they wanted to hit on because i got a couple things i wanted to bring up here but i'll let you guys go first dave uh no man we honestly my sports week kind of revolved around the draft so Mm. that's really all i had eric what do you say no i mean the only thing i was maybe going to mention was uh just a side note that you know uh i thought it was pretty cool that gretzky and ovechkin Got together, played, I guess, like a three-game series with Ovechkin playing as his Washington Capitals and Gretzky playing as the his old Houston Oilers team – or not Houston Oilers, uh, Edmonton Oilers team – and uh, playing some NHL. And I'll tell you what, Gretzky is a lot better than people give him credit for. I, or he, he, he knows how to play some video games. I was very, very surprised how well he did. Um, and they ended up raising 40 k for charity, so I just thought that was cool. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I hadn't even heard about that one. So that's cool. That's cool. All right. I got, I got to bring up something I've been wanting to bring up since I heard about this. I heard about this about an hour before we went live and I decided to wait and not start off the show with this. I decided to wait until now. So we haven't talked about too much going on in the world. And I do that consciously because I don't want to talk about what's going on in the world other than stored sports because this ain't the place for it. But Anthony Cuomo named his advisory board to reopen New York, and he named Randy Levine of the Yankees to the board. He named Kim Pagula of the Bills and the Sabres to the board. He named, I believe, the owner of the Islanders to the board. And he he named Jeff Wilpon of the Mets and James Nolan of the Knicks and Rangers to this board. And I don't know about you guys, but my first thought when I heard this is, holy shit, we're all going to fucking die. We're all dead. You realize this, right? No, no. Uh, Look, man, I'll be honest. Most of these guys, you know, came into their money. They didn't earn it. And, you know, we're not talking the smartest people in the world. But outside of that, like, look, you're going to the most powerful people and the people with the most influence and the most impact on the economy. and the people that can hire the most people and produce the most products and all that. So is it what I would do? I have no idea. I've never walked in these guys' shoes, but yeah, trusting a whole bunch of, you know, mainly sports guys that, you know, were grew up and their parents earned the money and their parents did all the hard work, like, or maybe not all the hard work. I'm not trying to take away from the fact that a lot of these guys, you know, did have to put in work, but Mm -hmm. they didn't put in the work that it took to make that kind of money. So yeah, I mean, that's really all I probably have for it. Yeah, I, Eric, I want your opinion on this, too. But before I do, needless to say, Twitter was pretty funny with some of the responses you get from this. There are some, uh, you know, they, they do the fake conversation thing. So the conversation, the way it went, Cuomo, okay, gentlemen, our plan to reopen New York will involve spending 
Jeff Wolfon cuts, cuts him off. How about spending no money and just hoping it all works out? Cuomo, what? All these services and people would be furious. James Dolan, have you tried fighting them? And Cuomo just sighs. Another comment. I wouldn't trust Jeff Wolfon to open a door, let alone a state. Another conversation. Cuomo, all right, fellas, how do we reopen New York? Jeff Wolfon, well, could you let me control it? Cuomo, Jeff, what? Wilpon, you'll still be the governor, of course, but I just, you know, run the state for a few years. Cuomo, what are you saying, Wilpon? My dad said I could. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Eric, what do you think? I think that, like, they would be at the end of the table and you wouldn't really be able to hear them. I really like, hope they, you're They'd right. be on the other side of the room. I really want you You know what I mean? Like, you, you got enough other smart people in the room. I'm sure that there's other big business people there, too, Wall Street people. Like, I'm sure they're not the only people in the room, but they are a big segment. Like Dave said, they bring in a lot of money, employ a lot of people, do a lot of good. So, uh, I mean, I think it's smart to bring in those people because, like Dave said again, you bring in the, you, the they may not be the smartest always, but they may be the most powerful. They may have the most money or influence, and those are the people that you're gonna have to talk to to make sure that we get this ball rolling. So I I don't hate the advisory board, although I do agree that I know some of that shit's just funny. So yeah, 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 yeah. No, listen. In all seriousness, there's a hundred business owners on this advisory board. So, Eric, you are probably right in that they are just one voice in a hundred. I agree with you on that. But I'm, I'm sorry. If you're going to have an advisory board to reopen and get this thing started, yeah, yeah, and, and Cuomo's got some goodwill in New York now. I'm not saying people like him or anything like that. I'm just saying you got some – and Cousin Dave is trying to introduce logic in the chat, and I don't want to hear the logic right now. I'm just saying if you're trying to run something right, those are the last two people you ask. I don't care if you're dying in the street. You ain't asking them for help on anything. They can barely get out of their own goddamn way most of the time, and they're going to help open New York. I, I really want you to be right on that, Eric. All I know is I saw that, and I just started losing my shit. I was just like, oh, my God. Everybody get drunk. Start getting laid because it's all over. It's all over. That's it. That was my reaction to it. All right. Last thing. Last thing. Unless anybody uh, got anything else. But I tell you, the one thing I want to bring up, so, Eric, last week we talked about the, the Last Dance, this documentary on, on uh, ESPN that's going on for the next – it's got three more weeks left. Eric, I know you weren't overly excited about this thing, and I was excited after last week's episodes. This week's episodes I thought were very good. Um, I kind of lost some of my excitement for these episodes a after this week. Not saying they were bad. I just think I'm a little more on the Eric train now than I was on the Dave train uh, than I was last week. What do you think, though? Are we asking me? me or... I mean, I... Oh, no, that was Eric want... first. Oh, okay. However you guys want to do it, I don't care. Dave, go ahead. I mean, look, I, I think Dennis Rodman is is a uncherished piece of uh, – experience and the fact that he had that Michael Jordan come knock on his hotel room door to get him back to the practice facility and back to work was pretty priceless. I also think it's quite funny that 
back in, you know, 98, you couldn't find somebody that was wandering around Vegas. And in today's world, he would have been plastered all over social media day in and day out. So um, that was kind of one of the big takeaways I had. Uh, I also think that the disdain that Michael Jordan uh, and some of the Bulls players from the 91 team that swept the Pistons truly truly just do not like those guys and never will like those guys um and i think the disdain that they have for them is quite hysterical um yeah i really i mean look i'm still i'm still absorbed into it they weren't as good as the first two episodes yes um but i I, i'm still a big fan of it now let me ask you something the fact that he's still holding on to that hatred you think it's justified or you think he should let it go I mean, at this point in life, I would let it go. But, you know, when it's all said and done, there's a reason that they're even doing this documentary. He is a unique human being. Mm. Yeah. Eric, what do you say? No, I've watched all the episodes, too. I know it's something you guys want to talk about. So I, I have watched. I find Dennis Rodman fascinating. I don't know what the what the fuck Bill Simmons is thinking, but I find Dennis Rodman What did he say? So. What did he say? He, Bill Simmons said that he was the most uninteresting person in the world, that he was boring and they didn't even here. know why. He's just doing it for clickbait. He's <laughs> just doing it to piss people off and get people to all riled up. He can't really mean that because anybody who's dated Madonna and Carmen Electra, you can't tell me their their life hasn't been interesting. Yeah. You can't tell me that. Like You I can't totally tell me agree. that a guy who has done – Everything in the world that you could want to do party-wise. I mean, he's partied everywhere with all sorts of weird people and different people. Kim Jong-un. I mean, who the hell hangs out with Kim Jong-un? Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't yeah, make any sense. That's like, a good how does that friendship even form? But I guess, like, Dennis just had that loving personality. Honestly, like, for all the tattoos, for all the other shit... Dennis is is a nice guy deep down. He's a sensitive guy. He yep. gives a shit most of the time, even though he puts off a persona like he doesn't. He he's a different and unique individual who really thrived, in, especially with the Bulls there late and and throughout his NBA career because he could be himself on the court. He he could be that wild man. He can. Nobody outworked him to hear the way he would he would do rebound drills and stuff like that, and the way he worked at things that nobody else really in the game works at mm-hmm. or works as hard at. He made those things his priority, and he, I'll tell you what, he was a big catalyst for those Bulls championships. I think in the, in the second half of that run. Yeah. So, I I enjoyed maybe that this these last couple actually maybe more than the first, which I thought were just a big Jordan suck fest. I you know this kind of was too. Don't get me wrong. I I just think this is more of a story of the history of the Jordan Bulls than it is actually a story about the ninety seven ninety eight Bulls. And I'll tell you this: that was that was what kind of took my excitement away from this. Because you looked at the way that they did the first two episodes. And I think I said this on the air. I know I said this to you, Eric, last week. I felt like they were looking at using this season to kind of chronicle the whole thing, but only using that as like a microcosm. And the focus was going to be on this season. And you felt that for the first two episodes. I feel like they touched on the 97-98 season for maybe 15 minutes in both parts. 
and all of it was about the history of the, of the dynasty and everything, which I wasn't totally crazy on it. There were way too many shots of them beating the Knicks for my liking, if I'm going to be totally honest. They, that was not necessary. Um, there were a few things I will say, that, like Cousin David in the chat's bringing up Carmen Electra hiding from Jordan is in the closet made the whole episode worth it. I, I like that. That was funny. I, what you brought up about Rodman talking about how he studied the way the uh, ball came off the rim for Bird and Magic and Michael and for everybody so he could be in the right position, that was fascinating to see how he studied the angles of the ball. That was fantastic, I thought. That, would, that, that got me. I liked that part, so. But I, I, like I said, I'm a little more in your camp this week than I was last week. Dave, you got final thoughts? I can't wait for the next two. It looks like we're touching on the dream team heavily in the next two parts. Oh, I want to say one thing. One thing, I don't want to make this a huge deal because it's not a huge deal. But if I got to say one thing bothers me about the way they're doing this documentary, we know Jordan Pippen and Rodman were unquestioned the most important parts of those teams. We know Phil Jackson was an important part of that team too, but we know who the big three are. I don't like the fact that as much as I know Steve Kerr has been the focus because he's the, he's the head coach of the Warriors, I get it. Does it bother anybody else that Tony Kukoc hasn't even been named in this documentary at all? Because, like, Tony Kukoc was not, you know, one of the best players of all time or anything. He was very important to those teams. And I don't like the fact that we haven't touched on him at all on this thing. I'll I go with you, Dave. What do you think on that? I mean, I think I think he's going to get his his recognition. It's he has to. I mean, for the love of God, they talked about John Paxson and you know yeah. the impact that he made. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I got you. Got to believe that at some point, Tony Kukoc is going to get his his respect. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. What What do you think, Eric? I got to be honest. I give two shits about Tony Kukoc. I respect. knew that was coming. I set myself up on that one. It's okay. It's all right. Okay. I got to be honest. Outside of Rodman, Jordan, Pippen, and, like, you know, that's the Jackson. That's about all you need for his documentary. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't know what else you like. I, I get you know, what you're saying. Some I, of the other players they played against, but, like, that, that, that was that 97-98 team. It was the, the, they were the big three. They were – they were the, the best of what they do, and and I I, I don't know. I just uh, my I, pushback I, on that. Yeah. As much as I agree with where you're coming from on that, every championship team needs its role players, and if you're going to spend time on the yeah, John and every Paxson's, rose has its thorn. Uh, do, <laughs> what, what's the next verse? Oh, Dave, help me out. I'm forgetting the next verse. God damn it. I'm just saying, like, what, what, what are you getting out of here? Yeah, everybody no, I'm got just one. Saying, everybody, if you're you know. going to focus on the season and the team, I'm not saying focus on the 15th man on the bench. I'm not saying doing that. But Tony Kukoc was the third leading scorer on those teams for all three of those years on the second dynasty team. So I'm just saying. That's only, I, because, that's only because Rodman didn't score. I'm just saying, though, that he was still, still means fourth in line. He was the only other player than Jordan and Pippen who averaged double digits for all three seasons. 
saying. I'm not talking about Luke Longley or Bill Wennington here. I'm talking about a guy who made some game-winning shots. You don't need me to remind you about the game-winning shots that guy hit. Just saying. I, I just don't think Kukoc is, is worthy of a huge spotlight. Hey, I, huge? Yes, I agree with you. Some spotlight is all I'm saying. He deserves more spotlight. Well, than I agree with Steve Dave. Kirk. He'll get his moment in the sun eventually. Mm. He's not there yet. They're still too far back in the Bulls, you know, sob story. They're in the Bulls story, you know, line to to get to Kukoc yet in this 97-98 team. That's what I'm waiting for them to get to. Show me more of the 97-98 season. That's what yeah. this documentary is supposed to be about. Well, you could tell. I you more tell. Doug Collins last week than I really feel like I need to watch, you know, ever. <laughs> what, what, what made me like the one thing that became apparent to me watching these two episodes is that the idea that oh, they had all this footage, they filmed the whole season. No, they didn't. They probably had six episodes worth of shit, and they wanted to stretch it out to ten episodes. So that's why we're doing all the history stuff because you know they don't have as much footage of that season as they made it out to be. Got to be. All right. The last thing I want to bring up here, Dave, you brought this up a couple weeks ago. Um, I happened to watch that big show sitcom uh, over the last week. Did you get to watch that out of curiosity? The, uh, the like big the show rest. show. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch it, it, it? it? Yeah, I watched it. It felt kind of forced, but, you know, yes. yeah. it was okay. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, I think I said it at the time. It was It was a sitcom. All it needed was the opening sequence, and it would have been full house with the big show. But I, I wanted you to know I did wind up watching that. Yeah, it's not something you're missing out on if you don't watch it. But, you know, yeah. if you remember watching the big show, it, it has its, its moments that are pretty amusing. Yes, it does. It does. I'll give you that. All right. Yeah, I'll tell you, I've done nothing but watch trashy reality show TV. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this new one on Netflix. Uh, I don't even know if it's new, but there was a season of it. it it's called Love is Blind. Uh, no. Real weird concept. No, where they, yeah, you, well, you meet people through a wall and you talk and then you got to propose. It's a weird, wild shit show. It's, a, it's what I would imagine... Jerry Springer would put together if Jerry Springer were to put together a dating show. This is this is how I imagine how how tragic it would be. So if you're looking for some just trashy TV, that that's where you should go. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, outside of that, again, like Survivor, The Challenge, just all sorts of trashy reality TV. Just because I need to see winners and losers. I need to see people go home. I need to see people win immunity. I need to see all this shit. I got to see it. I got to I got to do something while I got no sports. So this is my lifeline to some type of competition and I will continue doing it. By the way, I am super pumped for this like ultimate tag show. Dave, I think I asked Mike about this maybe a couple weeks ago. I think you what said you this. About it? Have you seen the, have you seen anything for this? It is like it's like a game of ultimate tag played except but there there were like you remember the show all oh, um what was it? American oh, really? Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. American Glad. It's a, it's, it's like playing tag with American Gladiators. But they, if you don't make it to the other side, they just fuck up your world. It's, it, it seems, it seems interesting. It's caught my attention. It doesn't come out till like the end of May, but I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got for you guys this week. <laughs> I love the way you described that. That's great. 
All right. Well, I tell you what, I think we'll get out of here for tonight. Uh, thank you both as always for joining me here this week. Thank you everybody for listening to us. Last words, guys, Dave Hastings. It's always a pleasure. Till next week. Yeah. Eric Tressler. Stay sweaty, my friends. You stay sweaty as well. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening, no matter how you're listening to us this week. I am your host, Mike Aglia-Laurel, and we will see you all next week.